0: So the topic today, the Questa explores, is work, and I've entitled my message, "Work: A Love Affair Gone Wrong." And I want us to try and keep this, build this picture in our mind, and see how it translates to the context of work, as the Questa explores it, and we take it beyond the Questa's thinking. But first of all, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles at Ecclesiastes chapter two. And we'll read the passage which we are focusing on today. And starting at verse 17. A real positive start. So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. "'because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. "'And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. "'Yet they will have control over all the toil "'into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. "'This too is meaningless.' "'So my heart began to despair "'over all my toilsome labor under the sun. "'For people may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill.' Then they must leave all they own to others who have not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labour under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not, minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. People can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless. A chasing after wind. So you might wonder why a love affair gone wrong. Here the quester has poured his life into pleasure and wisdom and work and he's not a happy camper. He's discovered in the previous part of this chapter that life ultimately hits a wall and this wall is death. And so as a consequence of reflecting on wisdom and reflecting on pleasure, he opens this section and says, So I hate life. And you can understand why, because in the previous chapter, he talks about his successes. He's really describing his worldview. Because earlier on in the chapter, he says, Look, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I owned more herds than anybody else, so I amassed silver and gold for myself. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. He had done very well in life. On the outside, it looked as though he had cracked life, built this wonderful legacy, wonderful image of himself. But... As life rolled on, he realized this was all futile. And he's sitting back and he's hating life. He is hating work. His worldview no longer made sense. It was coherent for a portion of time in his life. But now it was crumbling. And there's a great quote by Goheen and Bartholomew talking about worldview, which I think speaks well into this context, where they say worldview is a comprehensive and cohesive understanding of the world and one's place in it. It's one's fundamental beliefs about the world that give shape to the thoughts and actions, thus a sense of life's unity and meaning. The quest is life no longer held together. There was not a unity and a meaning that could carry on the model of his worldview of reality was no longer coherent. It did not make sense. He felt as though the love affair he had had with life had gone wrong. He had poured himself into all these things, and all of a sudden he feels empty. It is meaningless. I've been sucked in. I've bought into the wrong story. And so when we come to this passage of Scripture here, we see some interesting language in his description of work. In verse 17, he talks about how work is grievous, or meaning it's a heavy burden. It's a chore to him. And when we talk about work in the context of the Questa and the context of our church today, I want us to think of work not just as paid employment, that life, work happens in all kinds of situations. It's part of living. And so we go on to Verse 18. To 21, he's pointing out, all I've toiled for is pointless. Why? Because I must leave it to someone else and that person could be a fool. What they do with all I've done, they won't value it because they never strove after it. I actually can't control what happens next. And so he's thinking, what the heck, this is meaningless. Why have I poured so much of myself into this? And, of course, he uses that classic phrase, it's meaningless, it's a it's vapor, it's breath. We can't capture it, it's not definable. It just disappears. And so I'm going to propose this morning that the reason he got into this state was because his whole life and his whole work endeavor, paid, unpaid, was all about himself. And what he was wanting to do with his life, he was thinking he was creating a legacy. He wanted his story to carry on because he felt as though he had cracked life. He had been successful. But he suddenly realizes it cannot carry on beyond the grave. My life will not count And so it's a real negative statement to say, so I hated life. His worldview was not coherent. His worldview was not standing up. And so his work, this love affair he had with work, had gone wrong. And in the Herald this week, we see a survey on work. And 60% of the people surveyed across Australia and New Zealand hated work. (coughs) Nothing much has changed. And the motivation for their job was this. As long as I get my paycheck, I'm happy. And so work in this survey becomes, and this is paid work, it's a utility or a means to get dollars. This is the defining thing about my paid employment, is the money. But, but people would rather be free of work be- and also in the same survey, not in the same survey, another article I read, 40% of our life, our waking hours are in paid employment. 90,000 hours roughly across our lives. That's a lot of time. And if you're 90,000 hours of your life and you're hating it and the only reason you're doing it is to get money, it's going to one day fall over. I think why did I do that why did I give so much of myself to my employer or to the company or to the firm what was its purpose and many questers many people in life and culture ask those same questions but they see work as a trap something we need to be set free on a modern day quester was john lennon and he wrote a song called working class hero we're going to listen to that song now. I want you to listen to his aspirations. I want you to listen to the bitterness about work and the hope which he tries to convey to the audience. Let's listen to the song. Lenin captures something that's in the quester that's in all of us in the herald survey this week this thing work we want to be set free from it we often we can easily see it as a trap we're locked in someone else's game and in the context of the Lenin song it's in the capitalist game where the working class is trapped you're peasants you really haven't moved on since serfdom you're in the Industrial Revolution, but really you're just as entrapped as you were before. And he's sort of trying to put himself as the hero. Well, just follow me. Well, someone's only a hero, if their story and the way they broke free can be translated to all people, all lives, and all cultures. Lenin's story can't do that for us. He got free of paid work, talented, wrote some songs, did a few albums, just was a so-called free man. But he hit the wall of death as well. Others try to keep his legend, his story going on, but it will run out. And so his story of freedom is not the freedom which we can experience ourselves. It's not the freedom the quester could even gain. There's a greater freedom from work for us to discover. At the end of this passage, the quester, gets a little bit more philosophical. He tries to be a little bit more positive in verses 24 and 27. And he sort of resigns to the fact and says, yeah, there is pleasure. You can find pleasure in work. He also talks about how God is the only one who can really give us wisdom, happiness, and enjoyment. But it's sort of a reluctance. It's sort of a, a giving up on things. He doesn't really define what that really is. So then he says, well, go to work, you know, it is satisfying, you can get enjoyment out of it, and really, if there's any enjoyment, well, really I suppose it comes from God, because I can't give it to you. So I suppose as we come to it in the 21st century, this topic of work, what do we do with it in the 21st century? Because work can be black. It can be a very negative part of our lives, whether we're in paid work or we're unemployed made redundant, a parent at home with children. Uh, the grind of daily work can be very depressing. We can be taken advantage of. We can be mistreated. We've most all got stories in our own lives where we've seen or have experienced ourselves the brokenness and the depressing nature of work. But work can also be exhilarating, be very satisfi- satisfying, closing the deal, getting a task done, helping someone else, And doing a job, pleasing your employer, it can be very fulfilling and very satisfying. A good day's work is a great day in my book. But it's not always like that. And I think to understand work, we need to understand our God, our Creator. We actually need to rewind back in time and define, well, who are we? And as we know, in in the biblical story, we are created in God's image. And to understand our humanness, we need to understand the God whose image bearer we are. And what we know of God, we know He is a worker. Creation was part of His work, a significant part of His work. And after the creation, He actually rested. And so we are created in His image. God did something. He was engaged in purposeful and creative activities. So that's the type of being we are, to be purposeful, to be creative in our work. And it's fulfilling. It causes us to want to have rest. And before the fall, humanity was given the planet to go out and have dominion over, to partner with God in developing this world, exploring this world, all to his glory. We were co-laborers with God in his world. And we know the story falls over in the Garden of Eden, and, and the game changes. Work shifted. The Scriptures talk about now you will work and toil by the sweat of your brow. It will become burdensome. And so work shifted, because humanity decided to take on the world as their domain, that now it was about us. And as a consequence, we stepped out of that relationship with God and partnering with Him in life and took it on ourselves. Consequently, toil, struggle and work became part of our story. So in the context of the fall, to understand work, I think there are four relationships we need to understand which can help us recontextualize work. Because at the fall, firstly, we lost relationship with God. And so in losing our relationship with God, we lose what we have been commissioned to do as a result of the fall. It's not about loving God anymore. It's about loving ourselves and fulfilling our own goals and agenda. Hence the Questa. He lost his love for God. His work now became about himself. And so the Questor's story is a very good example of the fall where he lost We lost our love for God. How do we restore work? It's through rediscovering our love for God and His participation in work. We also lost at the fall relationship with ourselves. Our identity now after the fall was all about us rather than our identity and purpose and meaning being in God. So now it became about my status my achievements, my goals, my dreams. And so as a consequence of losing that relationship with ourselves, it shifted our focus. Hence, becomes meaningless. But also, in in the fall, we lost relationship with other people. One of the first stories after the garden is the story of Cain and Abel. Brother taking out brother. Jealousy stepped in. Pride stepped in. One brother wants to get rid of the other so he can get on with his world. And relationships have been fallen. We've lost relationship as a consequence of the fall. And fourthly, we've lost relationship with creation. Rather than creation being a place for us to exercise our dominion and control over to the glory of God... We've often been destructive in creation. We've exploited creation. We've polluted the planet for our own ends, for our own glory, our own satisfaction in our work and in our pursuit of dollar, power, greed, etc. So for our love affair of work to be restored, we need to think of our work in the context of those four relationships, And as we think of those four relationships, we need to think about our own lives. What am I becoming into relationship with my loving of God, loving of others, loving of self, and loving of the world in the context of my work? Because if it's just about me becoming more powerful, more wealthy, more independent, more in control of what I want to do with the years I'm given on this earth One day we will feel like the quester and we'll think, oh, what did I struggle for? And I think as Christians we've all got to come to that point in our lives at some time that work without a focus on restoring God's love to others, to this world, to the planet and to God. and We must come to that point at some stage. Whether we're 18, 28, 38, 48, 58, 98... It's pretty sad if on our deathbed we suddenly look back and think, God, all those years it was just all about me. What have I got to show? Because in essence, I believe the quester, he wanted to really be like God and have his story perpetuated on, that people would honor and glorify him. Because the kings and the despots of that age, this is what they aspired to. And I think the quester, would, he was wanting to be like God. And we think of God in his work. The psalmist gives us a wonderful picture and where the psalmist says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Think of the quester and all his greatness. This is what he was hoping people would say and speak of him afterwards. But he didn't know whether a fool or a wise person could pick up his legacy. And the psalmist says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. That is the story which is enduring. It is God's story that is eternal, that carries on after our lives have passed on. And when our story is infused into his story, and we're seeking through our lives to develop his story, bring grace and love and hope and truth through my work and endeavors, then the story carries on. But it's not about me. It is about God. So here we live in the 21st century in the market economy, where our work is reduced to a mere job to produce a bottom line. It's about the compensation I receive for the time I put in. And yes, the world can think like that about our jobs as they report to shareholders, etc. But we don't have to be caught up in that bottom line. We need to have a happiness and a fulfillment That is not driven by that. And so, but for in our culture, liberation from work, in essence, is early retirement. It's getting free. If I, by the age of 50, could be financially free, or by the age of 40, or the age of 30, then I can get on with my life. And so we tend to put work in a category that it gets in the way of my freedom. It gets in the way of my personal fulfillment. And we as Christians, we live in that culture where that is the story. This is why we come to the scriptures, to recontextualize our life, to keep our worldview rooted in a story that is eternal, that goes on beyond my work life. Jesus in the New Testament gives us further insights on our work and the purpose of our living. In Luke chapter 12, verse 30, he says, For do not set your heart on what you will eat and drink. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Seeking his kingdom, restoring that relationship with God. I'm living out of a relationship with God. I'm working for God's glory. In Matthew, he talks to the disciples, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the context of work, if we are yoked to Christ and his story and his purposes, we are then partnering with Christ in bringing the goodness of the kingdom, whether it's work at home, whether it's work in the context of the soccer club, being on the committee, or on the board of trustees, or whether it's paid employment, I am partnering with Christ in redeeming what was lost at the fall and seeking to restore that in my own way with him. The burden then becomes light because it's about him now rather than about me. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he talks about In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The quest is labor. He felt was in vain. It was meaningless. And he felt ripped off. I hated life. In the sense, I've been sucked into the wrong story. This has no meaning. So the gospel offers a picture of work where we don't need to be enslaved to the toil of work for our identity. Our work is to endeavor to take on the identity of Christ, to be in Christ, be in His work and His redeeming actions in this world. So when God's purposes are at the center and the the pursuit of our lives is the striving for fulfillment and joy and wisdom and pleasure in His purposes, our reason for being getting up at six in the morning to feed our children taking them to school things that appear to be mundane can have a total richness as we go about those things because it's not defined by the short term agenda of money so the starting point is not with self with our work it's with another story so How do we determine our careers or our work? A lot of young people, that's part of growing up, isn't it? Well, what am I going to do with my life? We can look at all the different jobs. You can make this money here, travel here, all those kinds of things. That's how the world thinks. How can I get a job that sets me free? But I think it's as Christians, it's coming to know who I am, how has God wired me, what passions has He put in my heart that are his aches for this world do i have an ache for justice like my god has an ache for justice Or well, where might that lead me in the type of work where i can help bring justice where there is injustice? or perhaps i'm a people person i'm really relational and i have a passion just to see people grow and develop what's the context which i could work in that way Because we've all been wired in different ways. We all capture different aspects of the image of God. And that is where I think our prayer should be and what should I be doing with my life. Because then there can be a much easier and natural expression of our lives as image bearers of God. And so when someone asks you, well, what do you do for a living? In our culture, it tends to be, well, what is your paid employment And then we rate and rank where you fit and where I fit in relationship to you. But I want in Christian community, the question should be different. What are you doing to make an authentic Christian life? How are you trying to be authentic to the story? It doesn't matter then what job you do. It's what you are endeavoring to engage in as one of God's image bearers saved by the love of Jesus and caught up in a story that's not about me but about him i'd really like the quote by alistair mckenzie a new zealand thinker who's done a lot of work on the topic of work and as christians and this is what he says ultimately our work is an act of eager anticipation we seek to live now according to the values of a community that is still to come When Jesus said, do not be anxious about material concerns, but seek first the kingdom, he implied that our preoccupation is more important than our occupation. The way we go about our work is a reflection of what our hearts and minds are set on. It is a vision of the kingdom come that directs and inspires our work. Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We work in a way that anticipates the fulfillment of this prayer, and we rejoice that we have been enlisted to work as partners in God's work. We affirm that in God's purpose, says there is, there is worthwhile work for everyone, both here and now and in eternity. So work, a love affair gone wrong? Yes, outside of our story It is a love affair gone wrong. But as members of a story, we can still be caught up in the wrong story. And our work can be seen and perceived as futile and meaningless. But as the Quester says in verse 25, he says, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? My encouragement to you today is to find in Him, our God and our Saviour, how your work can be fulfilling in loving God, loving others, loving self, and loving the world. I'm going to conclude by reading to you a poem. This poem, I think, just captures um, the story of work um, in a very engaging way for us as Christian community. And it goes like this. Weary, worn, welts on hand, work has whittled down the man, to the bare necessities of what he is and what he'll be. Was this then his destiny? Defined, refined by what we do, the toilsome tasks are never through, thorn and thistle, dirt and dust, sweeping clean, removing rust all to earn his upper crust. Sweat of brow and carried weight, rose too early, slept too late, slaving, striving, dawn to dusk, to the shell is barely husk, staunch the stench with smell of musk. But work is not the curse or cure by which we're healed or will endure. It will not save us in the end. It is no foe, but rather friend. But while it moulds us, will we mend. Taskmaster making all things new, who makes the most of what we do, let our work and our offering be a timely gift from those set free from earning our eternity. When work is mission on the move, by those whose efforts serve to prove that nothing's wasted in God's hands, when we respond to His commands, then we shall hear Him say, Well done, to those who worked under the sun. So as we take communion today, as we reflect on the cross, the cross is a place where all those relationships, loving God, each other, the world and self are restored. Think of your workplace. Think of your attitude to work. Just reflect on those in the light of the coming kingdom and your part in bringing it here today. Thank you. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shore Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90 30 90. To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.